You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker, birthday girl, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about horror, YA, non-scary Halloween books. That's specific, but it's going to be great. And interviewing Madeline Rue. But first... But first, we say happy birthday to Bria Grant. Thank you. We're recording the day before my birthday, so by the time this comes out... It won't be relevant. <laughs> and you folks missed it, but I gave Bria a large bag of snacks from my trip to Ireland. And, and not one, not two, but three chocolate bars. But I also brought the other chocolate bars that my mother sent me. So between all these, I have about 12 chocolate bars sitting next to me. So this is a very special birthday snack corner episode of <laughs> Reading Glasses. Snack corner. I also brought in the in here chips, you can hear them, that my mother sent me from Costco called Boo Chips. I hate to say it, and they're they very terrible. Really gross, but very cute. They're very cute. They look like little ghosts. You should string them up on a string and hang them as a decoration. And I know, but then the dog would just eat them off the string. Uh, what are you reading, Bria? Um, I finished, so I was reading a very long biography, and it felt very long. And then I started reading a book, of and who? I didn't write, I didn't love, but what biography was I reading? Yeah. I was reading that Shirley Jackson biography. Oh yeah, the Ruth Franklin one. It's yeah. like thirty years long. It's uh, it's very long. It's very great. But that's not what I want to talk about. What because I was like, oh, I that was a lot. And then I started reading this book that was like a lot of world building, and I was like, I can't handle this book right now. And so then I picked up a book that was sent to us by Tor, called Finding Baba Yaga: A Short Novel in Verse. By Jane Yolen. By Jane Yolen. And I read that. It is very good. It's so good. I, I finished it. It's the kind of book you can pick up and read in one sitting. So it's basically just, it's written in verse. So it's almost like, it's like reading poetry. Mm-hmm. But then it's sort of, a, it's about this girl who runs away from her abusive home and ends up living with Baba Yaga. Like you do. Like we all dreamed as, of when we were young children. As you do. And it totally, like, I was in such a slump because I was just like, oh my God, I can't read anything too complicated and I have a lot going on right now. So it was just like, I needed something to get me out of that and that was the perfect little book. Because it's little, but it was also, like, written in a very accessible way. I wouldn't say it's, like, an easy-to-read book, but it's very accessible. Yeah. And uh, so I really loved it. It was just, like, such a nice little read that I wanted to share with everybody. What are you reading, Mallory? You just got back from a trip. Yes. Uh, So I just got back from a big, big trip. First off, I went to New York Comic Con, and I wanted to say thank you to all the Reading Glasses fans who came up and said hi. It was really cool to meet some folks in person. Um... And then after New York Comic Con, we flew to Dublin, uh, and so I read all Irish books, all Irish scary books, because it's nice. October. Um, took some recommendations from Bria, which was nice. cool. Uh, but one of the books I just finished that I loved and want to talk about is The Wonder by Emma Donahue. Oh, yeah. Uh, she wrote Room, which was a uh, popular movie a few years ago. Uh, but The Wonder is a really, really great book. It's about... Um, it is uh, like what would you say? Early nineteenth, early twentieth century. I don't think I read it. Oh, I, I love how I'm asking you. It's just, <laughs> but I know what you're talking about because I know because I knew the room. Yeah, and it's uh, basically this is in this small Irish village, like in the middle of nowhere. There's this little girl. She's eleven, and has she claims that she hasn't eaten food in four months. And she's become sort of like this wonder, like people are starting to like come to her for blessings and stuff and the family's all excited. And um, so the town sets up this committee to investigate it. So the main character, Lib, is a nurse who was trained by Florence Nightingale. And this other lady who's a nun are tasked with the job for two weeks. They have to just like keep an unending watch on her in shifts to like make sure she doesn't eat. And 
it so the book is so it's such a really interesting look into like rural Irish life and mm-hmm. superstition versus religion and as she goes like and it's also a mystery because the first couple of days she's meeting this like very strange little girl but she's definitely like she's like can't figure out she's like i'm not seeing her eating like how is she still alive Amazing. and it's so it's so compelling it's so good i think i read it in one day in ireland and uh, i loved it so much sean is sean, reading what something are you reading? new very sean. exciting um i'm reading uh the babysitter at rest mm-hmm. by jen george mm-hmm. um and Bria's looking at me funny because she read it and thought it was Damaging. 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 It was so hard to read. Actually, my friend Jocelyn recommended that book or she was reading it and so I saw it on, I saw it and was like, I gotta I gotta check this book out. But it was it's tough to read. I didn't find it tough to really? read. I I mean it's it's, it's not just like dar- just in that it's dark. Yeah, That's it's all I'm dark saying. and kind of strange, but like dark and kind of surreally kind of mm-hmm. but it's, just, uh, it's weird short stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know. Like twenty minutes of like other weird world. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's totally worth picking out. I I'm I was just like I remember being like, man, this book is really hard for me to read. I don't know, and I feel like I read it also in the winter, so it was just like I don't dark outside. I don't know. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah, great. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Heidi wrote in about our self-care episode. I wanted to let you know that listening to your wonderful podcast is one of my forms of self-care. I get so excited every Thursday when it comes out. I mainly listen to it while going for a walk. So almost every Thursday, I put my running shoes on and go for a walk around my neighborhood while listening to the latest episode. Aw, that's so nice. I find it so relaxing and you two never fail to put me in a good mood. Usually I end up bursting out laughing all by myself because you guys are hilarious. One of my favorite moments was Bria's reaction to Mallory saying she was allergic to (laughs) raw apples oh my god so it was so embarrassing one of the places that me and alan stayed in ireland was this amazing cottage in tipperary and the person who owned the airbnb was this like amazing priest named paul right and he was like showing us around this beautiful little cottage and showing us all the chickens and the ducks and he's like we have this lovely apple tree go on pick an apple (laughs) have a bite it i was like i'm allergic it's almost like you're like snow white you know where you're just saying it's like they you're take an apple take this apple and then i bite bite it in and And fall asleep i'm is snow white the right one sleeping beauty snow white snow white apple well, what did Sleeping Beauty fall asleep from? Pricking her finger. Oh, my God. The... These women just love sleeping. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. I was just going to say, Bria, that's you. <laughs> Lee wrote in about our Yonder Books male-slash-female reading ratios. It said, like you both, I was ashamed and a little embarrassed to see that my own ratio of reading female-to-male authors was weighing heavily on the side of men. So, as a New Year's resolution, I set out to make 2018 a year in which I read only read books written by females. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm quitting male authors altogether. To help me along my year-long quest, I started a book club called The She Readers, where we read diff- different types—I almost said difficult—where we read— Different types of books, all written by female authors. Let me tell you, we have no shortage of great book selections. And as an added bonus, ladies are really digging this group. Yay. Limiting my intake of authors to just females has actually expanded my reading spectrum, and I kind of accidentally started a little feminist book book club gang along the way. Fuck yeah. (laughs) One small adjustment in my reading selections has had a major impact on my life and my quality of reading. Love it. High five. So cool. Uh, Nick wrote in with a wheelhouse. We love a wheelhouse. You're always welcome to send your wheelhouses. So Nick's wheelhouse is court intrigue and fantasy. (gasps) Court 
Intrigue. Yes. Okay, great. Solar punk and Afrofuturism. Love it. Lavish descriptions of architecture. Into it. <laughs> Scientists trying to figure out a mysterious and or supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. Latin American literature. Paranormal detectives and books with loads and loads of footnotes. Wow. Wicked cool. Nick, are you reading all these footnotes? Are you just excited to have them? Because then you're like, that makes the book shorter. Because sometimes (laughs) I'm like, I'm not going to read that footnote, but I can get through the book faster. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I I have no interest in it, but I'm glad it's taking up space in this book so I can finish this book faster. It's hysterical. Our five-star review of the week is from the Bloodworth family. They wrote a really nice review and said that they don't buy one specific book for people, but they do pick up copies of books they've loved from the thrift store as gifts for friends. That's a wicked good idea. It is a really good idea because then they're going to be cheap. Yeah. But used. You're not (laughs) tearing down trees. (laughs) (laughs) I love how Bria thinks that you ripped books directly off of a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Tear down that tree. Tear down that tree. Make a book out of it. Um, so don't forget, you can always do, if you do a five-star review, we might read it. Just tell us what book you're reading or what book you like to give to people. And we got over 500 reviews, so we are going to uh, stream, live stream one of our recordings. We didn't do tonight. Mallory's tired. She's been on a plane. I have been awake since yesterday in London. Yeah, she's tired, and also uh, she's out of town, so nothing gets done, so it didn't get planned. Um, so um, <laughs> we will you. we will announce that soon. Hopefully by Thursday we'll know like when we're going to record next, and we will live stream it. It's going to be very exciting. Yes, you get to. So first off, thank you all so much. Please, and we're going to do every 100 reviews we get, we'll do something else. So for 500, we're going to live stream an episode. You get to see me and Bria laughing and eating snacks. And you get to see Sean. Sean is just being informed of this right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'll be really, really fun. We'll announce it. It'll be sometime within the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And it'll be really cool. So thank you all. Um, and, and I have a quick bookmark, which is that um, if you're looking for a spooky movie to watch this Halloween season, I have a new movie that I'm in out called Sleep No More. Did I already talk about it on the podcast? I don't know. But Bria, you get to see Bria wearing glasses. I wear glasses. I have 80s hair. Um, and it's about people who discover a cure to sleep, and then they start seeing crazy monsters. So it's, it is kind of scary. Uh, for those scaredy cats, it may not be for you, but it's set in the 80s. It's got a Bananarama song in it. It's very fun. You can get it on VOD. You can buy it right now. And it's fun fun Halloween viewing for people. Yay. Check it out. Uh, so you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk about scary YA books and non-scary Halloween books, we're going to take a quick break. Is there a dog in a car at a bar on the street? Yay! I'm Allegra Ringo, a small dog owner. My dog Pistachio howls when she's excited. And I'm Renee Culvert, a big dog owner. My dog Tugboat tips over when he's sleepy. And we co-host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog that airs every Tuesday. We bring you all things dog. Yes, dog news, dog tech, dogs we met this week. We also have pretty famous guests on Butt Legs. We're not going to let them talk about their projects. No. Just want to hear about those dogs. We don't want to hear about your stuff, only your dogs. So join us every Tuesday on Max Fun. This 
this week, it's time to get spooky, motherfuckers. Woo. <laughs> Happy almost Halloween. Uh, so we get a lot of fan mail asking about horror books that aren't too scary or books with horror elements. We get a lot of folks. Is that, that because are, we're like horror-y people? So people are like, what's this not scary book, you horror gal? Yeah, so it's people who really want to get in the Halloween spirit and they want to read something spooky, but they're not up to the level of scariness of, of some horror books. So they want some safer recommendations. We're here to help. We're going to do a bunch of recommendations for books that let you participate in Halloween reading season without having to sleep with all the lights on and also recommendations for books that are geared towards younger readers. Okay, so I know this is a book podcast. <laughs> Mallory's reading ahead to see what I've added to the to the doc. This is slowly um, this is a very very slow s- snack takeover. Totally slowly becoming a snack podcast. Was a book podcast, now it's about snacks. So Mallory, I'm going to have you guess the top Halloween candies for our respective home states and also the state we currently live in, which is California. What do you think the top Halloween candy is for Massachusetts, which is where you're from, correct? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Oh, my God. Uh, no. <laughs> That's incorrect. <laughs> what is it? It's uh, Sour Patch Kids. Oh, yeah. And second is Butterfinger. And third is Double Bubble. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because I guess they still live in the 90s. No, dude, they're wicked into double bubble. <laughs> really? Yeah. I haven't even seen a double bubble uh, in a very long time. I oh, I remember getting them in my in my trick-or-treat bag. Ugh. Ugh. All right. All right. Texas, Te- what do you think the top? Hey. <laughs> I'm so offended right now. I'm so offended. Who do you think I am? No, go with the original Okay, guy. okay. Uh, Texas. Um... What, you just can't. Oh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Yes. Oh, wow. That's the top one in Texas. Second one being Starburst. The third one being the grossest candy that exists, Almond Joy. <laughs> oh, I was going to say... Um, gum- almond Joy? You don't think it's the grossest candy? Uh, Sean drops. is taking up for an Almond Joy. What? Gumdrops. What are those gumdrop candies? Remember those? No, I'm kind of into those. Almond yeah. Joy is the grossest candy. Oh, no. I like what do you think is the grossest candy, Sean? I don't know. You have so much candy that it's like impossible to know. I have so much candy, or just generally there is so much candy? Both. Those are both true things. sovereign state, (laughs) and yes, America. Okay. All right. Last quiz question. California, what do you think is the top candy? Red vines? Ooh, that is a really good guess. It's not, but that's a good guess because they always have them on sets. And I would be like, yeah. No, you know what it is? One of the best candies that exists. Skittles. I don't like Skittles. Oh my god, I love Skittles. Skittles, you can't say that on this show. Skittles sends me free Skittles because I talk about them. (laughs) That's some gold shit right there. I love Skittles. I don't really like candy that much, so this is... I don't even know why we're friends. Um, Second one... We're friends because you get all the candy. Oh, that's true. (laughs) We go trick-or-treating and with our bags and then I I just take your candy bag home. I just... I don't know. I'd rather have some toast or something. I'm not really... Toast? Yeah. With what on it? Just a plain... A plain dry toast. Butter. (laughs) Nice butter. Um, Second up for California candy, M&M's. Third up for California candy, saltwater fucking taffy. What? Ew. I mean, it's fine. I like a saltwater taffy. But what a weird third candy. Do you that think it's because weird. of the ocean? Or old people? Are there a lot of old people? In well, then wouldn't it be like in Florida or yeah. something? Or like, Ugh. I don't know. I, don't or, I think it's because it's like ocean, like boardwalks. Like that's where oh, you I buy guess. saltwater taffy. Maybe, maybe Santa Monica is throwing this entire count off. Maybe, maybe. Um, All okay, right. you can you can move on back. I'm past resting, my, my... wrestling control back of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> First up, folks. 
It's the most wonderful time of the year. Halloween season is obviously a favorite of ours. We love horror stuff, uh, but you can definitely participate in Halloween fun without the scary factor. You know, there's a lot of, obviously we love scary stuff. We love scary books. We love scary movies. But a lot of the cool parts of Halloween are this, like the spooky aesthetic and it doesn't necessarily have to be frightening. So we've got some books for all you Halloweenies out there. Mm-hmm. Also, just to note, and I posted this in the Reading Glasses Facebook group and on my Twitter, but I just did a... um article for vulture about recommendations for halloweenies oh good so for, for scary books or not non for when you're saying halloweeny is define this word <laughs> when you're a weenie for, about Halloween. you're a weenie but you're but you want something scary yes i, but you're I came up with that term cat. myself okay a halloweeny got it yeah. okay i got it i got it i got it so bria what's your favorite non-scary halloweeny book this was hard you already had listed some that i was like oh that's a good idea um one i thought of was my favorite thing is monsters is that scary it's t- I put that in my Vulture article. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't read your it's, Vulture article. but no, it's, fine. It's, not, it's not scary, but it's perfect because it has monsters in and it. And it has the word monster in the title. And yeah. she like thinks she loves monsters. She talks about monsters. It's a comic book, but it's a very big comic book. So you're not like reading like, you know, for five minutes and then you're done. It's a it's a fucking huge like graphic yeah, novel, like beast of a book. You can kill somebody with it. You it's can. Huge. You, could t- you can murder someone with it if you turn into a Halla... Not weenie. Halla... I don't have anything. How when to go? I'm gonna think about it. Um, and the other thing I thought of was "Smoke It's in Your Eyes." Guest of the show, Caitlin Doty's first book. Um, it's the theme of death. She was a if you or just, if you didn't tune in, if you haven't been listening for sixty some odd episodes, um, she was on very early in the show, and she wrote a book about her about becoming a mortician and about working in a um, crematorium. Is that the right word? Crematorium. So she worked in a crematorium and um, just about her time there, which I think is really interesting. It's still about death. It has a lot of dark things in it, but it's not about like, oh, there's a monster jumping out to get you. Like it's a, oh, it's a giant spider and it's gonna, (laughs) I read it. (laughs) It's a giant spider. It's a clown person. Yeah. Don't Um, read it. Read Smoke It's In Your Eyes. Yeah. Don't read it. Well, I mean, you can read it. It's great. But Smoke It's In Your Eyes is not Not scary, but it's spooky. If you get scared by things, don't read it. Mallory, what are your favorite non-scary Halloween spooky books. <laughs> it's a lot of description we're doing here. I feel like spooky is such an interesting word for this because it's like spooky is so specific. It's like mild salsa. I, yes, it is. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of um, haunted houses lately. and You every- have. You're so much braver. Than- just- That's what's so funny is that I'm braver with books, but you were like, we'll go to a haunted house. And I'm like, no, no. I'll, I mean, I'll, yeah, I like to be freaked out. And I, I, there, there was one. Oh, my gosh. Side note, the Warner Brothers one is very scary. The Conjuring, they, like, chase you. It's so horrifying. Yeah, I won't um, do it. Brie keeps inviting me to these things, and I'm like, I won't go. Oh, I love it. Um, But I will say that I, every time I leave, I'm like, very spooky. And John thinks it's very funny that I say that. I'm like, so spooky! <laughs> <laughs> for me, like, I feel like spooky is definitely, like, the salsa descriptor like it, it means different things for different people when we're talking on this show spooky we're talking about it's, it's like got hollow it's got like horror ambiance it's yes. like elvira it's yes great elvira not it's like so like adam's family like it's spooky mm-hmm. but it's not scary it's more the atmosphere of yes. the of the situation of the book yes and for that i'm a big ray bradbury fanatic halloween tree and something wicked this way comes are they're halloween classics they're not scary at all uh also uh released this year undead girl gang by lily anderson is a great ya book that has undead characters but it's not it's like cool witch stuff but it's not scary uh also with which is practical magic by alice hoffman is a halloween classic for witch books 
It's really not scary at all, but it just like it's just like witch drama. It's like a witch the, the soap book, opera. The movie is based on. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's really fun. It's a cute witch book. Um, also, our friend Amber Benson's uh, Witches of Echo Park series gives you con- like cool modern witch takes. Um, our fr- other friend Gail Carriger has tons of werewolves and vampires in her series, and you're very sell- safe in Gail's books. She is like such a great job of like you can't be sad in a Gail character book yeah i that was the first thing i thought of when we started talking about this she's so great also you can read some fun halloween history that's not scary at all like uh death makes a holiday by david j skull it's just like the history of halloween so a good tip to look for for horror elements in is uh look for horror elements in different genres like witch literary fiction or werewolf urban fantasy that way the book is sort of geared it's it won't be geared towards scaring you it just has like these elements in it so that way you can find something in the spooky genre, but not necessarily, it's not going to scare you. Yes. Also, quick chat about scary YA here. Like, I feel like the impulse for some people um, who want books that are less scary is like, oh, I'll check out some YA horror. Wrong. No, very scary. Very scary. Very S- fucked up. I mean, and not all of them, but like some of the most fucked up scary horror I've ever read is YA. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, I mean, middle grade, you're probably safe, but with YA, you are not safe from scary fucked up shit yeah yeah agreed i just read um the art of starving which i don't think it's by for sam everyone. miller yeah i don't think it's for everyone i think it I, not that it, i thought it was fantastic but it, it has a lot of trigger warnings especially for people with eating disorders but it is so creepy and ya very spooky very fucked up um other like fun ya books uh dread nation historical zombies which is not necessarily like ah scary, but it has like zombies yeah. and their lives are in danger. So if you're freaked out by zombies, this is gonna be a scary book for you. Um, a book we both love, My Best Friend's Exorcism, which we may have to retire talking about because we've talked about it so so much. And also Sean and McGuire's Wayward Children series, something else I should probably retire. But I think that one is super spooky. Um, really sc- not spooky. It's scary. It's scary and fantastical, but has like straight up very scary imagery, especially in the first book. Mm. There's um. Death, scary death, murder. This is when you're in the death aisle and you're like, it's like the tampon aisle. You're like, ooh, death or super death. Death or scary death. Super plus death (laughs) for those heavy death days. (laughs) Or light death. Light death. Light death. Towards the end. Who uses those light tampons? I don't know. Just... Those just get thrown away when I get those variety packs. Stopping up leaks and things. I don't know what you're doing with those things. You wear them for like 10 minutes. You lose the cork on your wine bottle and you're like, I need just something to last it overnight. What about um, YA horror books for you? I I love YA horror books. um, But yeah, they're definitely not a safe haven. Um, the, you could one of the cool things about the guest that we have on this episode, Madeline Rue. She has two different series. Uh, her books are totally amazing, and she has the Asylum series is definitely scary, uh, but her House of Fury series is more atmospheric. So it's not like, um, you know, you could just like, and she talks she talks about it in the interview. But it, you can you're not like blah, you're not like putting it in the freezer at night. Um, but some, like some of the most fucked up. By horror- the way, that's a reference to an episode. Like I feel like the second episode we did, where people are like, I got I get so scared, I put with a book in the freezer. Yes, right. Someone wrote in and said that. Yeah. Well, it's also that um, it started on an episode of Friends, I think. What? Yeah, there's an ep. I'm pretty sure it's Friends. It was some sitcom, the one where they put the book in the freezer. Yeah, that's the name. You know, all the Friends shows are called the one where this yeah. happens. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure there's some, maybe Monica, someone was reading a book and they had to put it in the freezer and like it became a thing. Oh, because it was so scary. Yeah. Which is terrible because your book is going to get all frostbitten. 
He's probably going to damage it. Smell like popsicles. Mm. Um, but uh, one that I really like that was really scary and fucked up is Daughters Unto Devils by Amy Lukovics. And it is one of the most fucked up books I've ever read. And I was like, it was one of those first YA books I was, I was like, I'm totally safe. It's YA. Fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. The end of that book, I was like, oh my God, I need to take a, a bath and a rainbow right now. <laughs> like, this is so intense. So if you're nervous about getting too scared, and you're just like all of this stuff is freaking you out. Go for middle grade. Like you gotta go one step down. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Agreed. You're not safe in YA. Because why? All that means with YA is that you have a young protagonist. It does yes. not mean there's no scary. It doesn't mean there's no death. It doesn't mean there's no blood. It means that there could be all of those things. It's just a teenager experiencing it, which makes it more scary sometimes. Yeah, I feel like like whenever I read YA books and something fucked up happens, I tell Brie and she's like, Mallory, I know YA is really fucked up. It's so fucked up. So you can send us your favorite Halloweeny books. I'm making that a thing. I love it. Uh, to reading classes podcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to Madeline Brew about scary YA books, we're going to take a quick break. In a world dominated by dude bro movie podcasts. A world where Casey Affleck has an Oscar and Angela Bassett does not. Only one podcast is brave enough to call bullshit. Who shot ya? With Ricky Carmona. A lot of people don't know Porks, Puerto Rican. Alonzo Duralde. I would eat oak jaw. <gasps> April Wolf. I want to interrupt and say yes. that the fish man was real sexy. Drea Clark. I have a real soft spot for King Kong. And women of color. I was like, damn! Right, Kugel got final cut. Kugel got final cut. <laughs> it's literally the world's saddest orgy. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, I'm from San Francisco. I've been to some sad orgies. Who shot ya? Listen every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. So here we are with author Madeline Rue. Madeline, thank you so much for joining us on our very spooky episode today. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is my favorite time of year, so this will be a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Madeline, what are you reading right now? Um, Okay, so I'm terrible. I read like 20 books at once. (laughs) Um, But I would say primarily I'm reading The Gone World by Tom... Oh God, I'm going to butcher his last name. Tom Sweaterlish, I think is how you say it. Uh, It's a sci-fi book. I've heard of it. I want to read it. It's amazing. (laughs) So speaking of spooky stuff, Malin, can you tell us about your book series, The House of Furies? Sure. Um, House of Furies, I would kind of describe it like Jane Austen and Guillermo del Toro had a baby. (laughs) It's like uh, a period piece set in uh, 1810 in England. And uh, it's about this young woman who runs away from a really awful, abusive boarding school. And she's sort of like stealing and telling fortunes to get by, which gets her in a lot of trouble. So uh, this old woman kind of helps her out of a, a tough spot and offers her a job at uh, Colt Thistle House, which is the House of Furies, I suppose. And uh, she goes there expecting it to be sort of a, an average job and maybe she can like steal some stuff and then get out of there quick. But uh, she is in way over her head and finds out it's actually a boarding house run by the devil. So it's a... Uh, it's spooky. I would say it's not super scary, but it's definitely at- atmospheric. That's actually more how most of my books are. I don't know how scary. They're scary to me, but I have a very low scare tolerance. So uh, I find them spooky. But uh, yeah, I like to focus on like 
making something atmospheric and really uh, immersive. I thought Asylum was pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, I think the the a lot of the photographs in that too help. Um, they <laughs> there's like sort of this they pace it pretty cool with the pictures where you'll you'll be reading a scary bit and then you'll turn the page and there's like a really unsettling photo. So uh, it's yes. like I guess it's the book equivalent of a jump scare or something. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that one. I think Asylum is more. Uh, like stereotypically scary horror stuff and House of Furies, I feel like because of the time period and and more like, I think I wanted to focus more on world building this time. So it's not quite as scary as it is like disturbing, I would say. Oh, that's perfect. So one of the, one of the things we're talking about in this episode is like why or books that are books in YA for people who aren't ready for all out terrifying books, but really want to get into the Halloween season. Oh, so, perfect. Okay. <laughs> are there any scary YA books or series that you love? Um, so I'm a huge fan of Mindy McGinnis and uh, her book, A Madness So Discreet. I got to blurb it and see it early and I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> and I'm like the prophet of this book. I, I evangelize about it constantly. Um but it's fantastic. I would say the beginning is really pretty scary and unsettling, and then it kind of transitions into a mystery. Uh, so if you can get through the beginning, which is extremely dark, uh, you'll really enjoy the second half because it's like more of a straight mystery. Uh, and then also Dreamfall by Amy Plum. It's cool. It's about these uh, kids who are put into a sleep study and things go horribly wrong. <laughs> um, but I love that one, too. Creepy. So vampires, haunted houses, ghosts, what are your favorite spooky tropes? Ooh, I'm a big, I love werewolves and sort of like those kinds of creatures, like anything that has like an animal aspect to it. Um, There's actually a pretty great uh, werewolf character that's not like a a totally straightforward werewolf in House Furies. And I love writing him because I'm obsessed with dogs. And so I love trying to think of (laughs) sort of like aspects of my dog and other dogs that would come through even when you're in your human form. I find that really entertaining. Um, But I'm also like, I was such a sucker for Anne Rice growing up. I'm such a vampire person. Uh, I'm actually kind of sad that like, it's a trend that's like overdone now. So nobody does it (laughs) anymore because I, I actually still love vampire books. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I always love something where no matter what it is, like whatever the monster is, I like when there's a humanizing aspect to the monster. I don't usually like things that are just like the monster is the monster and it's evil and you have to kill it. I like when there's some kind of gray area there. Oh, I totally agree. We are both dog and monster fans here. <laughs> so I, are As there... my dog wakes up and jingles his collar. Be quiet. Also, just a quick shout out. If you like dogs, you should follow Madeline on Instagram because her dog is so cute. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are there any mentioned vampires? Are there any horror elements that you wish, you know, people wrote more of, you got to read more of, or that you were want to like want to write about in the future? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I... I'm not sure. I, I've actually gotten really into studying tarot recently. And so mm-hmm. I'm thinking about putting that into an aspect of a spooky YA book. Um, I would love to do sort of a monster setup based on sort of the the major arcana or something like that. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm like, good. I just, I like, even aesthetically, I'm just like, oh, it would look so cool. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like I said, I wish, I honestly, vampires could stick around always and I'd be into it. Um, I do like that we've kind of moved away. Well, I mean, we had like Asylum. When Asylum was out, there was a lot of those kinds of books, like kind of spooky, like found photography type stuff. And I'm glad we're kind of like transitioning away from that because it was getting 
a bit much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so hard because like I like I like spooky books, but I'm actually kind of like your listeners that you're trying to talk to today because I I don't love stuff that's like super over the top scary. I'm actually kind of a baby when it comes to that. So yeah, I like things that are just more like atmospheric and kind of like generally give you a creepy, disturbing feeling. Do you have any methods for reading scary books that that people who are scared, like scary people who are scared easily, like what, how can they read a scary book? Oh my gosh! Um, well, when they figure it out, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw it out the window. Uh, so I, I mean, I tend to if I'm re- I actually tend to read at night right before bed, which I know is a terrible habit because it makes you sleepy every time you read. Then, but like. I'll usually, if I'm reading something kind of scary or disturbing, I'll usually stop a little bit before I intend to actually sleep and like watch a happy video or, you know, like put on like a happy song because then at least you're not going to bed with like the immediate transition of just reading something, you know, that kind of puts a bad image in your head. Um, I also try, I love, I'm a big true crime nerd and I try to avoid true crime right before bed because I feel like that's even worse in terms oh, of yes. giving you nightmares. So. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. I've banned true crime audiobooks from my shower listening because I'm constantly afraid that I'm about to get stabbed by thousands oh, of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. So when did you start getting into creepy books? Did you read like spooky YA books as a kid? I did. I was, um, I think I read every single Goosebumps growing up. Um, and it's funny because I was like, how did I wind up writing scary books? I, I don't feel like that's who I am. But then I went back kind of and thought about my history as a reader. And I was like, oh, actually, I read a lot of dark stuff as a kid. So it makes perfect sense that I kind of just wound up here. But uh, yeah, I would, like I said, a ton of Anne Rice um goosebumps i was obsessed with those like when i was really young i was obsessed with those scary stories to tell in the dark that series um, oh yeah although i i'm pretty sure the illustrations were scarier than the stories in that one but a hundred percent they were very scary yeah they're they're not nice um yeah i think that's that's most of it like i said i was really into goosebumps i was really into Anne rice i kind of dabbled in stephen king but it was like a little too much for me i think um and I read a lot of a lot of fantasy, which I think also makes sense because that's kind of like I feel like House of Furies is like exactly like my blend of stuff I love, which is like world building, historical stuff, and then monsters as well. So I kind of get to do all of that at once. Hell yeah. So tell us a little bit about your reading life. Do you have any quirks that you want to share with us? I'm I'm just so bad. I, I start something, I fall in love with it, and then I get sent something to blurb or, you know, I get some, sent something early. Uh, I just got sent um, Gates of Stone by Angus McCallan. It comes out this winter. And I was in the middle of reading The Gone World. And then this comes on, in and I start reading that. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. Now I'm so torn. Um, <laughs> but I actually have this weird quirk where if I feel lazy and I don't feel like writing that day, I'll start reading something really good because it makes me angry. <laughs> like I get really like, oh, okay, no, I have to, I have to write. Like it, it really fires me up. It really inspires me. So actually that's probably why I have so many unfinished books because I start reading something really good and then I'm like, oh man, now I want to try to write something really good. So it kind of uh, like lights a fire under my ass to get, to get to work that day. So it's kind of a good problem to have though. That's awesome. It is, but it's also very disruptive for my reading because I just <laughs> tend to never finish anything. Um, do you have any books that you like to gift to people? 
Yes. Uh, actually, this is a scary one. It's The Bloody Chamber and Other Stories by Angela uh, Carter. <laughs> yeah, she like she basically got me into writing scary stuff because I read it at a really formative age in sort of my writing process. I was in college and in a writing program and my, <clears throat> excuse me, my professor introduced me to her in general and then that book specifically. And I was like, oh my God, I was just in love. So I think I've given like 10 copies of that book out. I always am like, where is it? Where is it? I need to look, I need to read it again. And then I forget that I've just given it away. So <laughs> I love that book so much. And now knowing you're writing, it's funny. I can definitely see where you sprang out of that. Thank you. That's like one of the coolest things anyone's ever said to me because <laughs> I am, I love Angela Carter so much. She's a genius. Oh, she's incredible. So where can we find you and your amazing books online? Oh, um, I'm everywhere. I have a Twitter. You can find me at authorroo, all one word, on Twitter. Uh, you could find me on Instagram. Just search my name because uh, my handle is a little stupid. And then I have, uh, if you go to my Twitter, I have a public email address. You can get to me that way. I have a Facebook fan group and I have a Tumblr. So I am everywhere. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. We talked about this a little bit when we did our column for Apex Magazine. Holland writes in, What do you do when a favorite living author dies? Do you read posthumous publications? Do you read novels that take place in that universe written by other authors? Do you feel guilty when you miss literary news about the author years after they die? Bria, what do you do? I think if you're... If you are very sad and you love this author and you want to honor them, you could do something really nice every, like, by that year that they die or, or whenever and just try to buy those authors' book, that author's books for everyone that you like. Everyone that you like. Every book that you like for people that you also like. Whatever. <laughs> Give them as gifts. Give them as gifts for people. Go give all of their books five stars on Goodreads. Like, things like that that will make people pick up their books. Because I think that's a really nice way to honor an an author's work as you go through and and make sure other people are aware of it, you know? And I mean, it's, it's, we live in a weird world now where when someone dies, you know it because they're like trending on Twitter and people start putting, you know, photos of, you know, of them on Instagram and it, and it is a bummer, but I understand why people do it because you feel connection with these people through their art, you know, and you want to, Tell people that you loved them because you can't tell that person because they are dead. But also because they were famous and you may not have ever told them in real life. So what I'm going to say is this. Do all of those things. But also I think uh, maybe pick out your favorite living author and write them a little email. And it doesn't have to say this in the subject title, but something like this. I'm glad you're not dead. <laughs> not that, but that's the gist of what I'm saying that you should say. Yeah, don't don't be don't send off a slightly threatening email. <laughs> yes, that's illegal. What I said, don't write. But um, I used to say that I just feel like, and I I still feel this way that I, that I feel like we honor all these people after their deaths, and then we don't tell them how much we love them in real life. And as a person who creates art and does artistic things, I love to hear when people like what I do. Like it's yeah. so amazing. Like. Uh, I just did a con this weekend and people came and talked to me about Halloween too. And it was just like really fun to get to talk to people. And I was like, oh my God, like you like some, I don't do just do this in a vacuum because you, re- you know, write a book, you release it to the public and you may not hear from people. You may be- hear from people right at first, but then you don't hear from them for a while. And if someone wrote a book 15 years ago, you can still tell them you like their stuff. Like 
reach out on Twitter. Fucking write them an email. Like, I, I think yeah, that, like... Yeah, review their book. Like, there's so many... I feel like it's a great way to, like, match up. Like, oh, do something nice for this writer that you love that just died. But also, like, match it with something... Doing something nice for an author that you love that is not dead. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Mallory? There's a lot of questions here. I feel like I answered, like, one of them, but... Yeah, but I'm wh- taking the torch. Go. Um... So if you're like me, you can cry a whole bunch. Um, When author I Love dies, I always reread my favorite work of theirs. Um, When Ray Bradbury died, I I reread my favorite collection of his. Nice. Um, But it's it's up to you if you want to read those posthumous publications. Some authors don't care. Uh, Some authors like Terry Pratchett, who had all of his notes and unpublished work crushed with a steamroller, don't want their work published after their death. So sometimes those those collections are cool, especially if they have like an essay from another author as the introduction. Like I do have Shirley Jackson's Let Me Tell You, which is a collection of some of her unpublished work. Um, I'm only really interested in that sort of stuff if, if I really, really love an author. Um, but no, I don't feel guilty like they're dead. If there's like you like if there's news that you're missing out on, you can discover it down the line because now like the news and stuff that they have is very limited because they're dead. It's very the, limited. Like, What's going to come out of theirs is also very limited. You've got to piece it out. Um, what's funny, like, I'm actually, one of the books I'm reading right now, uh, speaking of Shirley Jackson, I just read Hangs a Man for the first time. Oh, nice. Which I love very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are always like, oh, you haven't read all of Shirley Jackson's work? I'm like, no, I want to savor it a little bit. Mm. Like, I mean, I reread stuff that I like, but I still have a few for Shirley Jackson novels that I've never read because, like, I'm not going to get any new ones. No, not, they're not going to. I mean, maybe sometimes I feel like they find someone and they're like, oh my God, it's the unpublished whatever. But yeah, yeah you're not getting any new. Yeah, not getting any new ones. So I don't think there, there's not like one, like, set way of dealing with this. Like, your relationship with an author's work is your own. So don't feel like, beholden to any like schedule or like way of doing things like oh someone dies I have to reread everything and buy everything and like make sure I read all this stuff then you've just like eaten all your Halloween candy in one night Mm, candy (laughs) (laughs) you're just like you know it's okay to save some of that stuff and it's okay to like not read some of that stuff if you're like you know a collection of essays comes out from an author that you like that died and you're like I don't I don't really feel interested in that don't like don't let you don't have to be guilted into it it's okay and I think what we're also saying is that it's okay to be sad yeah I mean it's interesting because there's these people who mean so much to you and they they don't know that and so I always feel so weird posting like oh this person I really love died but like I'm sure their family has like way more to say but I think that it is okay to feel like you had a connection with this person's art and therefore the person themselves and you're sad they're not going to create any more art that you can also feel great about and really probably touched you. I am still not over David Bowie's death. Yeah. I like, it took me like six months to listen to a David Bowie song without crying. Yeah. Yeah. And like not creative related, but like I'm still not over Steve Irwin's death. There we go. I can still... It's creative. Cry over Steve. Like, if I, like, hear his voice, I will, like, get... Wow. Yeah. I didn't know you're a big Steve Irwin fan. Oh, well, remember I used to do animal oh, stuff. That's right. He was my hero from when I was seven years old. Aww. I used to sleep with a stuffed Steve Irwin doll that when you squeezed it, it said, Crikey. I was Aww. so crushed when he died. <laughs> I cried for days. Oh, that's so sad. And I still like get emotional about it so like yeah yeah i never met steve irwin steve irwin had no idea that mallory o'mara existed but like so it's okay to have your own personal relationship with somebody's work 
and it's okay to have your own personal relationship with like how you consume that Mm -hmm. especially how you consume that and like news about them and whatever after their death yeah exactly so if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can always buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. We are going to be doing something very exciting for our six hundred review mark uh that we are have not thought of yet but so we're we're like we're on <laughs> open to ideas please we're, let us know what you think yeah it's always like if you have something cool that you want us to do please email us and let us know but uh we are past 500 re- reviews now so please it helps us so much it helps us get more guests it helps us get more sponsors uh and we always like to hear like don't wait till me and Bria are dead to, re- to review reading glasses uh you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks for reading exorminator how can we help hi i'm phoning about an exorcism can i take your name i'd rather not say sure fine we understand may i ask as to the nature of your problem there's a curse going round uh-huh sure no problem we can handle that do you have any details on what kind of curse a shadow on the wall nasty anything more a curse of the stones of a building, of the bricks in its walls, of the earth that shelters it, the water that feeds it, and the sky that guards it. That's a pretty solid curse, man. Haven't seen shit like that for a while. You sure of it? I wrote it. I'm fairly sure of it. Okay, you wrote it? The exorcist had a slightly Australian tinge to his voice, and the laid-back, whatever-comes-next attitude of a man who had suddenly realized two degrees short of sunstroke that exorcism was the perfect career choice he'd never been offered at school. Yes. Okay, uh, not usual to get people writing their own curses and getting them exercised. Some kind of accident with the spray paint? No. No. Uh, okay, but I'm guessing you want it removed. Oh no, not at all, I said quickly. I'm phoning to tell you that probably tomorrow morning, you or one of your associates will get a call from someone else wanting it removed, and I'm asking you not to. I see. Look, sorry to say this, but it's our job. We exercise things. You know, exorminator, no exorcism too big. Gotta pay the rent, man. Excerpt from A Madness of Angels by Kate Griffin. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.